You're going to love this. Just love it. I would not believe that guy if I were you. From the Pacifica Radio Network in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, people-powered radio. In 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. In Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And streaming coast to coast and around the globe, all over the place on Progressive Voices. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation Radio, Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville. Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey, and yes, five days a week, blanketing planet Earth on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure that we call The Bradcast. Or reality-based radio. Take your pick. Uh, welcome to it. Glad to have you here today with us. And uh, greetings, Desi Doyen, our hey. producer. Hope you're doing well today as well. Yes, I'm here. Well, we'll find out uh, how well <laughs> you're doing. Uh, while many uh, Democrats have been celebrating Bernie Sanders' concession and endorsement of Hillary Clinton on Tuesday, several major news polls out on Wednesday show that Donald Trump is not only gaining on Hillary Clinton nationally, but he is also neck and neck with her in several very key swing states. Actually, Donald Trump is now ahead in some of those uh, swing states, uh, though within the margin of error. We will get to that in a moment, uh, as well as uh, a court orders a revote. That's right. A do-over in one recent presidential contest. Attorney Ernie Kenning will join us shortly to discuss that. So a lot ahead. But first, as we've been spending quite a bit of time discussing the draft of the Democratic Party's new platform as uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton surrogates emerged after the weekend, uh, from their meeting in Orlando, Florida, and the Democratic Platform Committee's final draft uh, is said to be by both uh, the Sanders and Clinton camps as the, quote, most progressive platform in party history. I haven't stopped 
to comment yet on the fact that those progressive changes in that document, in that Democratic Party platform, I believe are only there, frankly, because Bernie Sanders did not bow out of the race back when so many people wanted wanted him to. Many Democrats, uh, mostly Clinton-supporting Democrats, had urged him to drop out weeks ago, but instead... He was able to use the leverage that he uh, earned from those uh, 22 victories, 22 state victories and 1900 convention delegates that he won during the primary process for leverage to insist that the party move to the left on all of the issues that they now have. Um at least in the party's platform, which will officially be adopted at the end of the month in in Philadelphia at the uh, Democratic National Convention. So that party's central document, the Democratic Party platform, has now moved the party in the direction of progressive policies thanks to Bernie Sanders. Thanks to Bernie Sanders and thanks to Bernie Sanders supporters hanging in there. Uh, it's, it's more progressive now than it has been in decades, maybe even ever, on everything from health care to college tuition, student debt, uh, climate change, you would agree, Desi? Yes, definitely. Uh, uh, trade policy, criminal justice reform, marijuana, and much more. And that's probably why party and establishment Democrats were so anxious for Bernie to drop out of to the race. To get out, to keep yeah. them from uh, moving us and yes. committing us to the... Now, we should say they're not really committed to those things in the, in the party platform. Well, not even just a draft, but even once it's finalized, it's just the platform. And parties routinely ignore their own platforms. But... It sets the stage for where the party wants to move. And if Hillary Clinton uh, becomes the nominee, as expected, and if she becomes the uh, president of the United States, as many Democrats expect, then uh, that's what they have to work from. And they can hold uh, the president, the Congress uh, you know, accountable. Democrats in those bodies, in any event, uh, can hold them accountable to say, hey, this is what our party stands for. This is what we fought for, and we expect you to do it. So that's on the Democratic side. But in the meantime, just in case you are wondering, the Republican Party has also gone to work on their party's platform document uh, in advance of next week's GOP convention in Cleveland. And while Democrats are finally moving back uh, into a in, in a progressive direction, thanks in no small part to Bernie and his supporters, uh, after at least three decades, by the way, of moving rightward. Uh, while that's going on on the Democratic side, on the Republican side, well, the, the, the platform there, the Republican Party platform is, uh, well, what you sadly might still expect. And the Republican Party is doing, well, I guess what it is that they do. According to uh, Melanie Mason over at L.A. Times, in the midst of an exceptional political year, as she describes it, Republicans stuck with conservative orthodoxy on same-sex marriage, drug policy, and other social issues while crafting their 2016 platform. Members of the GOP platform committee rebuffed efforts by moderate Republicans to strip the document of references to traditional marriage and opposition to adoption by gay couples. Proponents of the more gay-friendly language, most uh, prominently New York delegate Annie Dickerson, became visibly frustrated by their repeatedly stymied efforts during the uh, platform talks over the weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, over the past couple of days. Stop repelling gays, for God's sake, Dickerson had to say. <laughs> 
But others uh, blanched at Dickerson's push. One delegate was loudly applauded when he chastised her for implying that those who don't share her belief are bigots. Rachel Hoff, the first openly gay delegate to serve on the panel, was near tears as she pled for support of an amendment that was neutral on same-sex marriage. It was just neutral. Uh, and it still was not allowed. Others uh, were uh, she and others were seeking to soften the language on LGBT issues. She stated that Republicans held a diversity of views on the issues. Hoff told her fellow delegates, freedom means freedom for everyone, including gays and lesbians. But her proposal to soften language on LGBT LGBT issues failed. You'll be shocked to learn. Well, you know, that's the GOP building a bridge to the 1950s. Freedom means freedom for everyone. They pretend that they're in favor of freedom. They ain't in favor of freedom. They never were. Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon. Oh, she's a piece of work. Uh, She's co-chair of the committee. Uh, She said that the vote was a reaffirmation of the GOP's longtime position on marriage but said that that did not mean the party was shutting out gay and lesbian members like Hoff. She's still welcome in the party, Fallon said. Everybody is. We just hate you, that's all. (laughs) Exactly right. You could be here. We'd love to have your vote. We're just not going to do anything for you. We're not going to support anything you believe in. And we're going to try to stop you in your life and every step of the way. Welcome. Yep. Delegates also uh, rejected a call for the legalization of medical marijuana. They blocked language that would call for uh, assessment of the consequences of the, quote, failure of drug prohibition. Gavin Newsom, the uh, Democratic lieutenant governor of California out here, saw what was going on. And and he tweeted uh, post Orlando after the shootings when 49 Uh, were killed at an LGBT nightclub. Donald Trump was saying he was the only one to protect LGBT Americans. And yet the GOP platform just released says conversion therapy is okay. Wow. Yeah. For those who don't know, conversion therapy, this is what is is uh, these right wingers recommend for gay people. If they only go get therapy, they will learn to not be gay. They'll be ungayed. They'll be ungayed. Because, you know, it's just a choice. It's just a choice. The way uh, I might choose to uh, like women, I guess it's a free choice. I could choose to like men if I wanted to because I can just choose. But, of course, we should also note on a serious note that conversion therapy is actually quite damaging to especially to teenagers and is uh, has. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, this is what. uh, Yeah. Gavin, uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Newsom uh, adds in a second quote that LGBT kids who are forced to go through conversion therapy are eight times more likely to commit suicide. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Newsom adds, this is sick. But that's not all. Uh, The GOP uh, platform uh, will also declare, this is the Republican Party, mind you, the Republican Party will declare Internet pornography a, quote, public health crisis. Under an amendment that was added to the draft party platform uh, on Monday in Cleveland, the Internet must not become a safe haven for predators. The provision states pornography with its harmful effects, especially on children, has become a public health crisis that is destroying the lives of millions, millions destroying their lives. 
We encourage states to continue to fight this public menace and pledge our commitment to children's safety and well-being. We applaud the social networking sites that bar sex offenders from participating. We urge energetic prosecution of child pornography, which closely linked to human trafficking. The amendment passed with little debate. But uh, pornography is a health crisis, a public health crisis, uh, says the GOP. Meanwhile, Ian Boudreau on the Twitters notes 7,239 people have been killed by pornography this year already. Then he adds, wait, no, that's guns. <laughs> Our friend LOL GOP over on the Twitters says the things the GOP will protect us from same sex marriage, porn, medical pot and health insurance, things it won't protect us from, 32,000 gun deaths a year. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, uh, while the nation was stunned and grieving what happened in Dallas last week, this, was, this happened on Friday. And uh, I've been trying to get to this, haven't had a chance with everything that's been going on. But on Friday, on the day that everyone was figuring out what the hell was going on after uh, 12 Dallas police were shot, five of them killed uh, by a single lone maniac uh, with a high-powered weapon. Uh, while that was going on, and the nation was reeling from that on Friday... Ten states, ten states all run by Republicans, uh, decided to sue the federal government over rules requiring public schools to allow transgender students to use restrooms and locker rooms conforming to their gender identity. The lawsuit filed on Friday in federal court uh, in, in Nebraska. The other states involved are Arkansas, Kansas, Michigan, Montana, North Dakota, Ohio, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Wyoming. And if you are a, a listener in one of those states, that's what your government is doing. That's what your government is spending time and your taxpayer dollars to do. To sue the federal government over guidance about uh, the use of bathrooms and locker rooms by, by children. Uh, by children, yeah. Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson says in a uh, news release on Friday that the U.S. Education Department and Justice Department have circumvented established law and the process for changing existing law. Uh, Peterson also says the rule takes away the authority of local school districts to deal with is such issues on an individual individualized basis. Now, what he's saying is local schools can decide how this goes. They can decide. They should be able to decide who they will be discriminating against. Because, you know, you might have local issues where we really need to discriminate against people in this town, just not the next one over. Jackasses. All right. Uh, meantime... <laughs> Security fears mount ahead of the GOP convention. You think this is uh, potentially getting quite scary, to be frank. Uh, concerns over security in Cleveland have been ramping up ahead of next week's Republican uh, National Convention, according to CNN, and are now further inflamed by recent incidents of racial violence that have racked the country. With Donald Trump expected to formally accept the GOP's presidential nomination, numerous protest groups for and against the billionaire developer are preparing to launch dozens of rallies and marches across the Ohio city. 
which is anticipating some 50,000 visitors for the uh, for the GOP's convention. Now, of course, we saw that this was coming uh, months and months ago. There was concerns about this throughout the primary. Trump's campaign, uh, as CNN notes, was marked by racial tensions, spasms of violence inside his events and outside his events. But now heightening tensions uh, and the convention arriving amidst a rising national tide of anger against police violence in the deaths of uh, two African-Americans last week and anxieties tied to the deadly ambush and killing of five officers in Dallas last week has got a lot of people on edge in Ohio, in Cleveland, uh, and for, uh, for good reason. The state's open carry gun laws have the head of Bikers for Trump, for example, telling CNN that Cleveland streets could turn into, quote, the OK Corral. Oh, boy. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. Uh, the guns are not permitted inside the arena at the convention. Uh, for obviously good reasons, although if you listen to the Republicans and the Republican platform and the NRA and all the Republican officials, they tell us that guns make everybody safer and that gun-free zones like uh, what will be the uh, the convention center in Cleveland, and that makes everybody less safe. And yet, for some reason, they have decided to ban guns inside the uh, inside the convention center itself. Okay, that's good. However... Uh, Ohio does not regulate the carrying of guns. So that means, as CNN points out, that uh, while the entrance to the convention's 1.7 square mile secure zone around the arena, they will be prohibited. Uh, people who are in that uh, secure zone will be prohibited from bringing uh, weapons like swords and hatches and axes, slingshots and BB guns and pellet guns and metal knuckles. But... They will be allowed to openly hold live firearms. <laughs> you can't bring the sword or the can opener, but you can bring the AR-15. Uh, yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, exactly. Chris Cox, the uh, the uh, of uh, bikers for Trump, said on uh, Tuesday that we're anticipating a victory dance, but it sounds like there's a lot of agitators and a lot of troublemakers coming to town. What happens remains to be seen, he says, but you can definitely count on the bikers for Trump standing with the police department in the event they need it. So they'll be helping them. They'll be there. Maybe they'll have uh, live weapons. Uh, bikers for Trump will, will help the police. And remember, this police department is currently under federal oversight by the Department of Justice after being cited in 2014 for a, quote, pattern of uh, or practice of the use of excessive force. Remember 12-year-old Tamir Rice? That was Cleveland when he was killed in, what, two and a half seconds uh, by a police uh, guy who pulled up uh, to the park, saw this 12-year-old, uh, and just, boom, shot him dead. That's the Cleveland Police Department. They're the ones who are going to be out there dealing with whatever nightmares are to come in a state that allows open carry even during this presidential convention and the tens of thousands of people that are coming. Mind-blowing to me. Uh, doctors and surgeons at the Cleveland Clinic have also have, have been told to remain on call uh, and uh, to be prepared for a situation in which the hospital is cut off from the outside, uh, cut off from outside aid and supplies for the convention's four days. 
according to a report from Stat News, which covers health care issues. One of these groups uh, said uh, that they were uh, less concerned by the potential for clashes with anti-Trump demonstrators than they were about a lone wolf attack like the one that rocked Dallas. So, I mean, with everything that's going on, this will take one person, one guy, one lone wolf to start firing. And then what happens in Cleveland? Remember what the Dallas police chief, David Brown, said about when they're when everyone's carrying a gun. If someone starts shooting, it's very difficult for the police to understand and figure out who Who's is the, the shooter. shooter. Yeah. But don't worry, the bikers for Trump will be helping the police. They'll all have guns. What could possibly go wrong? This is what's happening next week in uh, in Cleveland. We can only hope that things remain safe. But the fact is, nobody really even knows what the hell is going to go on inside uh, the convention at this point. Normally, we have some idea what the convention schedule will be. At this point, we have no real idea what's actually going to happen inside the convention, much less what's going to happen outside the convention with the protesters and so forth. So that's the Republican convention coming up in Cleveland. Uh, the Democratic convention is uh, is the following week and is only slightly less concerning, to be uh, to be frank, at this point. One one lone wolf, one jackass is all it takes. Speaking of one jackass, a member of a Canadian. No, it's not what you thought it was, Desi. You that wasn't the segue I was going to make. Uh, although we can. You want to do that? All right, let's do it. One, uh, w- the, This one jackass uh, segue works here, too. Actually, in this case, though, it's it's two jackasses. You may have already heard this quote, uh, Bill O'Reilly speaking, I believe, yesterday with, with Donald Trump uh, asking him, uh, well, here, it speaks for itself. There are still some black Americans who believe that the system is biased against them. The American system, because they're black, they don't get the same kind of shot, they don't get the same kind of fairness that whites do. What do you say to them? Well, I've been saying even against me, the system is rigged. So, yeah, not only do bad black people have it bad, uh, even Donald Trump has it bad. It's even rigged against him. Now, a lot of people have been uh, focusing on on Trump's comments saying uh, that uh, he, like black people, has the system rigged against him? Now, that quote is it's a little bit out of context if you listen to the entire uh, thing. Basically, uh, Donald Trump sa- says that his solution to the problem, he, he calls uh, Barack Obama the divider in chief. And if you heard our program for the broadcast yesterday, that's one of the reasons I wanted to play that extended portion from uh, Obama's uh, remarks at the memorial down in Dallas on Tuesday was because it was anything but divisive. It was uh, moving. It was full of common sense. It was full of reality. It was, uh, you know, anything but divisive. And then, you know, you got these Republicans and Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly, who's even worse, running around saying uh, he's a divider. He's dividing the nation with his rhetoric. Well, that is true unless you listen to his actual rhetoric and you find out it's completely false. So a lot of people are talking about uh, Donald Trump, talking about how uh, this uh, poor billionaire, if he is a billionaire, how uh, this poor billionaire has the system rigged against him. Poor guy. Uh, actually, in truth, and he says uh, the way that he would fix it um, is the, the real problem here is is not bias. It's a lack of spirit. 
That's actually what he said. We don't have spirit. He says he would be the cheerleader for this country. He actually said that. And that was it. Spirit. He said about five, five or six different times. We need spirit in this country. Um, we're just not spirited enough. That would solve the racial divide that has uh, gripped this nation for centuries. Uh, in any event, they've been focusing on Trump. I was when I heard that uh, quote and I went back and listened to the rest of it because the rest of it is even worse. I was interested in what Bill O'Reilly had to say when he said there is still some African-Americans who think the system is biased against them. Like, can you believe it? There are still just a few. There are still some who think there is some sort of systemic racial bias against African-Americans in this country. Where would they possibly get that idea? Jesus. But the original segue for one jackass was not meant uh, for Donald Trump, but was meant for this uh, this guy from Canada, this member of a Canadian singing quartet who changed a lyric in uh, his country's own national anthem and held up a sign proclaiming all lives matter during a, uh, a, a pregame performance at the, uh, at the, the, the All-Star game, at the baseball game uh, on Tuesday, the 87th All-Star game in, uh, in San Diego. The tenors, they used to call themselves the Canadian tenors, now they're just the tenors, a group based in British Columbia, they caused a stir at Petco Park, according to AP, when uh, Remigio Pereira's uh, changed the verse of one of the songs of the national, the Canadian national anthem. In a statement issued during the game, the group blamed the changes solely on Pereira. He had held up a sign uh, that said, All Lives Matter, and he sang the altered lyrics uh, to the national anthem while the other three singers wordlessly harmonized. The band said Pereira will not perform with the tenors until further notice. They called his actions disrespectful and shameful. Uh, this was midway through the anthem. Uh, Pereira unexpectedly sang, quote, we're all brothers and sisters, all lives matter to the great, instead of the normal lyric, which is nothing like that, which is, with glowing hearts we see thee rise, the true north, strong and free. So he had this sign, All Lives Matter. He changed the lyric on the back. It said, United We Stand. Uh, and the uh, the group has apologized. But, of course, All Lives Matter has become this online response recently to uh, Black Lives Matter uh, uh, supporters and protesters to the entire movement. Uh, as if t as if Black Lives Matter, as if that phrase, that uh, saying, that slogan somehow means nobody else's life matters. And these jackasses who don't understand that. I, I, no, it doesn't mean that all of the other lives doesn't matter. I saw someone on Twitter and uh, my apologies that uh, I, I don't have the uh, person who uh, who tweeted this, but said it is akin to when someone uh, says, save the rainforest. They're not saying, to hell with all the other types of forests. <laughs> Burn those down. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, uh, the phrase, as AP notes, has been uh, perceived. The all lives matter uh, is, is used, has been perceived to use reductive reasoning to trivialize the problems specifically facing blacks. Of course, if you asked... Uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly about that, he would agree. Rush Limbaugh calls uh, Black Lives Matters terrorists, a terrorist group. Bill O'Reilly calls them a hate group. Uh, 
And yet, he's the most popular, Rush Limbaugh, the most popular guy on the radio, Bill O'Reilly, the most popular guy on, uh, on cable news. And Democrats are laughing all the way to the bank, thinking, hey, everything is swell. There's nothing to worry about now that Donald Trump is going to be the uh, nominee. Why worry? We'll destroy him. Even uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who has come under fire for calling Trump a faker. Uh, Trump has said she must resign, the Supreme Court Justice, uh, the notorious RBG, as some call her. Uh, Even she did not take Trump with the seriousness, uh, which I have been saying everyone else should from day one that he got in the race in June of last year. Uh, Even she, uh, as CNN's Joan Biskupic reports from a follow-up interview uh, with the 83-year-old Supreme Court Justice, uh, when asked about her criticism of Trump's candidacy, she said, well, at first I thought it was funny. To think that there's a possibility that he could be president, dot, 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 and her voice trailed off gloomily, says uh, uh, Biskupic at CNN. Uh, There is a reason uh, for uh, concern, and I keep saying this, and boy, do I hope I'm wrong about this. I hope, you know, I was, yes, the the guy or one of the guys who said to take Trump very seriously from day one when everyone else thought he was a joke. I turned out to be very right. I hope that I'm not the guy who turns out to be right here. But if we keep looking at facts, if we keep looking at numbers, this is, after all, reality-based radio, as I said. Here's what the facts and numbers are. Uh, New poll. Hillary Clinton leads Donald Trump uh, nationally among registered voters now by just three points, according to McClatchy uh, Marist poll released on Wednesday. In the latest McClatchy Marist poll, Uh, In the last one, I should say, back in April, Clinton led Trump by nine points. Now that lead has uh, shrunk to three. When you add in the Libertarian and Green Party candidates, uh, she has a five-point lead, still pretty much within the margin of error there. The uh, survey in this case uh, began on the day that FBI Director James Comey announced that the FBI would not recommend bringing charges against Hillary Clinton regarding the uh, her private email server. The good news for Hillary Clinton is that despite a very rough week, she still has a narrow edge, says Lee Meringhoff. He's the director of the Marist Institute for Public Opinion in New York. He adds, the bad news is that these issues concerning Hillary Clinton don't seem to be going away. Clinton's lead over Trump also took a hit in the NBC SurveyMonkey weekly tracking poll for the past two weeks. In Tuesday's tracking poll, Clinton had a three-point lead over Trump, down from a five-point lead the previous week. So that tracks with the Marist poll. Reason to be concerned if you're a Democrat? Or if you're American, I would say, yes, there is reason to be concerned. But of course, as we always point out, that's only national polling. We don't have national elections in this country. Ultimately, the national polls don't really matter. What matters is the states and how each state votes and uh, specifically how uh, the states that are the swingiest of swing states actually vote. And in that case, we've got... Even worse news. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are now running neck and neck in Florida, as well as Ohio and Pennsylvania, according to a Quinnipiac University survey that took stock of the three swing states. The poll marks an 11 point difference from a month ago in the Sunshine State in Florida 
Trump now leads Clinton in Florida, according to the Quinnipiac University poll, 42 to 39. Now, that is within the margin of error, but Trump now leads Hillary Clinton, an 11-point drop for Clinton uh, since last month. Uh, a month ago, Clinton led 47 to 39 percent. Now she's losing 42 to 39 percent in the state of Florida. Um, when you uh, add third party candidates in that case, Trump's uh, edge extends to five points. He then has a five point lead over Hillary Clinton in the state of Florida. And in the two other states polled in that uh, Quinnipiac survey, Ohio and Pennsylvania, both Absolutely key swing states. Pennsylvania is a must win, really, for Democrats in uh, in those two states. Clinton and Trump are now uh, pretty much tied. They are tied at 41 percent each in Ohio. And Trump leads leads by two points in Pennsylvania. All of those leads are, uh, as I note, within the uh, margin of error for that particular poll uh, in Florida and Pennsylvania and in Ohio. But the NBC News uh, Wall Street Journal poll released Wednesday afternoon uh, found Clinton and Trump virtually deadlocked in Ohio. And I'm sorry, in Iowa and yes, in Ohio as well. All these polls are saying the same thing. Should we notice that? NBC uh, did find that Clinton enjoyed a nine point lead uh, in their poll. She enjoyed a nine point lead in Pennsylvania. Unlike the Quinnipiac poll, which found that much closer race with uh, Trump up by two in Pennsylvania, a uh, new survey of likely voters in the uh, in Wisconsin by the Marquette University uh, Law School poll found Clinton topping Trump by just four points in Wisconsin. Uh, some some positive news here for uh, for Clinton uh, in uh, the swing state of Colorado. A Monmouth poll released Wednesday uh, finds her uh, enjoying a 13 point lead in uh, in Colorado for whatever that's worth. But man, um, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, one of the other reasons I point these out is because when you have races that are this close, I know how easy it is to game the electoral system. You know, we've had a lot of talk about fraud in the electoral uh, uh, system this year and the presidential primaries. We have examined a lot of them here on the broadcast and at bradblog.com. And I have found at least the, the bulk of it, the bulk of it uh, and the claims by Sanders supporters about uh, voter fraud and claiming Hillary stole the uh, primary and the DNC stole the primary. I found the bulk of that to be very badly sourced, very misleading uh, and often using irresponsible numbers, uh, irresponsible reporting, disprovable assertions. There's a lot of problems out there. But uh, this uh, suggestion that it was stolen by Hillary or DNC, the evidence, at least that I have seen, simply does not support that claim. But now uh, one court has looked at the evidence of fraud and has called for a presidential election do-over. That story is next on the broadcast. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so now more than ever. 
please stop by bradblog.com donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. That uh, bumper music will make sense to you uh, maybe in a, in a minute. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, well, a, a court, a court of law has finally looked at one of these recent presidential elections this year, about which there have been many concerns of election fraud, and that court has decided to toss out the results of the election entirely and run it again. So, yes, all the noise that folks have been making this year about fraud in presidential elections may have finally paid off. Trouble is, the presidential election in question is in Austria, where the nation's constitutional court recently tossed out the results of that nation's presidential election. Ernest A. Canning recently wrote about this fine mess for us at bradblog.com, and he's here to talk to us about what happened and explain it. Uh, Ernie, is uh, he has for many years served as our legal analyst at bradblog.com. He's a retired attorney, author, Vietnam veteran, and uh, hasn't been able to write much for us over recent months at bradblog.com as he's been serving as a senior advisor to Veterans for Bernie uh, at vetsforbernie.org. Uh, Ernie Canning, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. How you doing, Brad? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Okay, so first explain, let's, let's discuss the, the general contours of this Austrian presidential election. I know it took place in May. Uh, who were the two main candidates running and from what parties? And then we'll, we'll get into what has happened uh, since that election in May. Well, there were two candidates. One is, is the Austria Green Party candidate, uh, Alexander van der Bellen, uh, who defeated Norbert Hofer of mm-hmm. Austria's far-right Freedom Party and when I, by uh, just under 31,000 votes. Uh, when I say far right, this is a party that was founded by former Nazis, so it gives you a real good idea about what was, you know, politically involved in the election. And what's happening now is that the losing candidate, Hofer, mm-hmm. uh, who's the, you know, the quasi-Nazi, is getting a second bite at the apple because the court has uh, ruled that mm-hmm. uh, several uh, of the districts, not all of them, but several of the districts, violated the uh, strict rules that Austria has 
for the handling and counting of uh, mail-in ballots. And I want to talk about uh, what specifically happened and what didn't, but uh, just to set the, f- the full contour. So you got this, uh, the Green Party, uh, which is uh, the progressive, more progressive, clearly, of the two, and the, uh, the Freedom Party, which is that right-wing, uh, actually a Nazi party of sorts. Uh, and going into this uh, race, the pre-election polls had predicted that the that the right-wing candidate, uh, Hofer, uh, that he was going to win. But then when they actually ended up counting the results, well, good news for progressives. It was the, the Green Party's uh, Vander Bellen who won. Do I understand that correct? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the uh, about the uh, the pre-election polls. I didn't read that in mm-hmm. the de- because I just read the deci- decision. Mm-hmm. But I know that in this particular case, uh, although it doesn't directly relate to the reasons for the decision, um, the uh, press had even pr- you know prior to closure of the polls had prematurely announced that Hofer was winning this, and it turned out Hofer ended up losing. Uh, at least according to the official count. So the good news for uh, people who are not Nazis is that the progressive candidate won. That would have been the good news. Uh, do, do they use hand-marked uh, paper ballots in their elections out there in uh, Austria? Well, I'm not sure what they use at the polls. I know that the, the Austria constitution has mm-hmm. a, um, a, a constitutional requirement for complete transparency of the count, mm-hmm. and this particular problem was strictly having to do with the mail-in ballots okay. and the procedures for mail-in ballots, which they have to be not only uh, uh, hand-counted or you know counted in person so you can verify it, but they have uh, two people at each district, uh, election officials, uh, a, the chief election official and assistant, who must take part in each of these phases, both of opening, slitting open the ballots, opening the ballots to verify that, and then and then and then to mm-hmm. verify that the, these, in fact, envelopes, which are signed envelopes, uh, contain the ballots, right. and then to uh, take part in the count. And what happened in this instance was that uh, there were uh, uh, about seventy thousand ballots at stake where both individuals were not present for personally counting the ballots. Uh. And because of that, uh, there was a question of whether or not... um uh, the count was transparent within their rules. So it's a it's it's a race ultimately decided by thirty one thousand votes. Yet seventy thousand ballots were opened by uh, by not two people, not uh, two observers who are supposed to be there when it comes to the vote by mail ballots. Uh, is someone alleging fraud? Is there evidence of actual fraud that the results uh, were were miscounted? That the ballots were flipped? Is there anything like that that the Austrian court uh, found? when they tossed out because that's what they've done now right they've just tossed out the election uh, the original election results they say these are no good we're going to completely rerun we're going to have a second presidential election because of whatever happened here correct well the interesting thing in fact i think it's it's probably the most powerful statement comes out of out of this case because if it was applied here in the united states most of our elections would have to be redone uh it really, for as far as the Austria uh, Constitutional Court was concerned, it's irrelevant whether or not there was actual manipulation. The, the fact is that if you had enough ballots 
that could have been manipulated because because it was not a completely transparent count, mm-hmm. then they're going to set it aside. You have to strictly comply with these procedures because the core issue is transparency in the in the actual vote count, they have to know that it was accurate. And if that was applied here in the United States, where we count most votes electronically, either mm-hmm. by touchscreens or by the uh, uh, optical scan systems, and no human being actually counts the ballot, um, the mere possibility that it would uh, that that the count could have been manipulated is enough in Austria to overturn the results. So to be clear, in Austria, nobody came in with proof of a stolen election. They didn't say, look, all of these ballots have been uh, swapped out, have been changed, have been miscounted. Have been... All they did was came in and said there could have been fraud because uh, there was not uh, the, the, the proper amount of oversight for the 70,000 ballots. There could have been fraud. Therefore, the election result is no longer valid. Is that what happened? That's basically what happened, and 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 basically what. Well, I'm not so sure that the that the the party challenging it did not, you know, at least say, claim that the, mm-hmm. that there was, you know, that he suspected some type of manipulation. Mm-hmm. What the court ruled is whether there was or was not manipulation is irrelevant. You don't have to address that issue. The mere fact that you didn't follow the procedures, the burden is to show on the on the government to show that they that they have conducted a transparent count that they can verify that the result was was the proper one. Wow, what a standard. What a standard for democracy. I guess maybe we need to start calling Austria the world's greatest democracy. Now, to be clear, so they're not calling for a recount of the existing votes. They're calling for a revote. A recount wouldn't do any good because uh, they essentially they'd come up with the same results. What they're saying is the counting was not overseeable, was not properly uh, carried out, and so the mere possibility of fraud that could have taken place is enough to call off the entire election and and yes, rerun it only, again. Be, only because there was a um, mm-hmm. uh, a sufficient number of uh, votes in question. Mm-hmm. If it had been, for example, twenty thousand votes, that you know, if it would not have made a difference, right. then that then the election would stand regardless. Because even if all twenty thousand went to Hofer, he still loses. So uh, it, it was because the numbers high enough. Uh, that uh, the only way they can remedy this was to order a new election. And I know that, uh, it, particularly with vote by mail, and you know we have that in, with everybody in Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, one of your criticisms here in, in, in the U.S. has been that the, the, there are all kinds of problems with their being fed through the optical scan system and or uh, an optical scan mm-hmm. system after they come in and being counted in the dark. Well, if our standards had been used in the Austrian election, it would have been overturned because, <laughs> yeah. because you can't bear. And it's very similar in the, in the German high court. I went back and looked at that again. That They've ruled that all electronic vote counting, mm-hmm. uh, all forms of electronic vote counting, uh, do not meet the criteria of their 
Constitution because you have to have an observable count. And I remember writing about that uh, German decision uh, at the time, many years ago, uh, and the idea that this, uh, uh, you know, this this Constitution that was put together, uh, you know, after the Nazis uh, gave up in World War II, that the U.S. actually went in and demanded that Germany create this Constitution and have this type of transparency. They ended up with much more transparency, much more oversight uh, for, uh, you know, uh, former Nazis than we have in this country. Well, as a matter of fact, my <laughs> understanding is there was a former uh, Supreme Court justice or actually a Supreme Court justice time uh, that that also participated in the Nuremberg mm-hmm. or, you know, presided over the Nuremberg trials that assisted uh, Germany in coming up with these constitutional provisions. So it's interesting that the U.S. has directed uh, input uh, you had when you wrote about it. By the way, mm-hmm. it was back in 2009. You called it democracy's gold standard, which is handmarked paper ballots publicly hand counted at each precinct on election night. You meant. You mentioned, uh, Ernie, the, uh, the the case up in Oregon, where I know they love their vote-by-mail. They do all vote-by-mail uh, uh, elections up there in Oregon. But again, there was a place where uh, just a couple of years ago, I want to say 2012 or 2014, I can't remember where, uh, th- there was a Republican election official who was opening uh, vote-by-mail uh, ballots as they were coming in, and she was filling in votes for Republicans in races where there were no uh, votes, where there was, you know, an undervote. She would just go ahead and fill in the Republican. She was caught. She was arrested. But that's just one of the reasons why I'm no fan of vote by mail other than in cases where somebody has to or they're not going to, you know, they're going to be out of town on Election Day or they are uh, disabled, can't get to the polls. Um, But vote by mail opens up a tremendous amount of possibilities for fraud. Uh, Ernie, you've written it at the Brad blog a long time, many years where we've covered, you know, all manner of problems and concerns about elections from voter suppression and vote buying and selling at the front end to problems counting the votes due to computer failure or fraud and, and perhaps more importantly, the ability for the American public to oversee the tallies at all. And that was the concern in Austria. And that is true with both touchscreen voting and paper ballot optical scans. Uh, as an attorney, have you ever seen a principle uh, akin to the one that uh, has now been applied in Austria, applying to any American elections where basically a court or an election official says, hey, if you can't oversee it, it can't be trusted. Does that even come into uh, the thinking about elections in this country as far as you've seen in all of these years? If the courts had reached that that ruling, uh, we wouldn't be conducting the elections in the manner in which we are, because um, uh, our elections are, by and large, not always, but by and large, uh, opaque. Uh, and, you know, the, the problem that you talked about in the Oregon election mm-hmm. was something they specifically addressed here. It doesn't have to be fraud that's involved, though right. you don't have to prove it. But where, where what they said was it isn't just that the, that the, that the, uh, uh, that the have to count the ballots uh, as a collegial bo- body that you know the officials that are assigned to do this two people, but that um, they have to take part in no one else is allowed to even slit open the ballots and it, you remember a few years back we covered a Wisconsin uh, Supreme Court election where they did order a hand count after the election and when the when uh, when the uh, ballots were gathered you had all kinds of 
uh, chain of custody problems with ballot bags having been slid open and yep. you couldn't really verify that the uh, that the uh, uh, the actual ballots that were being counted in the ha- in the hand count were the ballots that were actually cast. Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of, of votes were coming in, uh, w- w- and you could not prove the provenance of the election of the uh, the ballots that they were trying to hand count because the bags had been opened. Who knows where they came from? And uh, but we didn't care, and America didn't care, and uh, Wisconsin didn't care. And this was the Supreme Court of uh, the state of Wisconsin. That election was going to determine the balance of the court. Uh, do you get the sense, Ernie, that nations around the world take the concerns of election fraud a lot more seriously than we do here in the U.S.? And if so, why is that? I mean, it, it's there seems to be this thinking that, oh, you know, elections aren't stolen here in the U.S., and yet they are all the time. We've got evidence of that all the time, and not just you know, uh, crazy conspiracy theories, claims of fraud, like many that we've seen over this past primary season that I've actually debunked on this program. But, you know, real cases of fraud, real criminal conspiracies. Look at Clay County, Kentucky, for example, or cases where, uh, you know, look at uh, Palm Beach County, Florida in, in 2010, where a number of elections were decided where the loser was announced to be the winner in like three different elections. Because the optical scan machine got it completely wrong. Uh, and yet, in this country, you know, if you bring up concerns in the ability to oversee elections, uh, you know, people, particularly in the corporate uh, mainstream media, but even in the progressive, in the, the liberal media, uh, want nothing to do with that question. I am constantly... Uh, you know, attacked, even if I bring up the issue over at Daily Coast, you know, when I bring up these very legitimate concerns and, and sometimes evidence of, you know, actual miscounting. Why well, is that? Think, it's a long question. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I think that, that, you know, people have a tendency to be uh, uh, blind to this issue so long as their side wins. And mm. that's not what election integrity is supposed to be all about, as you've been fond of saying over the years that election integrity is not about left or right it's about uh, right and wrong and what what i found uh, fascinating about this decision it's hard to think of a a result politically that could have been worse which is that you know you're you're basically allowing a nazi a second bite at the apple but from the standpoint of election integrity this is what election integrity is supposed to be about get the count right Imagine that uh, a progressive Ernie Canning and you'll you'll find no one more progressive than him uh, standing up for the Nazis right to have a second bite of the apple in the Austrian election. And I completely agree with you, Ernie. Before I let you go, uh, there's been a lot of concerns. I don't want to get into all the details because we talked about a lot of them throughout the uh, this uh, primary cycle this year. But there's been a lot of concerns about the results of the primary from Sanders supporters. You have been a very strong Sanders supporter uh, uh, working as an advisor over there at uh, vetsforbernie.org. As it relates to this Austrian case, uh, and and very quickly, I know it's unfair, but very quickly, your thoughts on uh, the the concerns from uh, Sanders supporters this year about the outcome of the election between uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton? 
Well, the, the biggest question in my mind, if you, if you look at, for example, what happened in, the, in, in South Carolina early on, and I think you covered um, an article I wrote uh, uh, about that, uh, really citing one of our earlier pieces, mm-hmm. is that uh, you had uh, these primary elections being conducted on 100% unverifiable uh, touchscreen voting systems. It doesn't. You don't have to have fraud. We've seen where uh, I, I, I remember you covered years ago with the uh, Dan Rather's uh, report on these uh, ES and SI Votronics, where their idea of, uh, manufactured in this Philip. Philippine uh, mm-hmm. sweatshop and their idea of quality control was to pick up one of these sensitive items of electronic equipment and shake it. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was John Gideon, who the late yeah. John Gideon, who wrote at the time that uh, uh, that uh, there may not be any loose screws inside the, <laughs> yeah. the machine, but anybody who thinks this is any way to run an election has a few screws loose. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the problem here is that if you look at this. You know, you wouldn't have all this problem with divergence between exit polls, and people wouldn't be able to raise uh, the the issue of whether there is or is not fraud, or whether the results were or were not accurate, if we simply adopted democracy's gold standard and started counting uh, ballots uh, in person. If not democracy's gold standard, then at least Austria's standard, because uh, that allows us to oversee. And you're abs- you know, you're absolutely right, Ernie. It's, you know, I've, I've been quite critical of a lot of the the folks, the, the Bernie supporters this year who have been, uh, you know, claiming that this is a sign of fraud or that is a sign of uh, Hillary stole the election or the DNC stole the election. The problem is, you know, the evidence does not necessarily support that, but the evidence also does not necessarily refute that. And we end up with a system where we simply have to guess, was it right or was it wrong? Was it counted accurately or not? Uh, And I have long argued that the ability to not only have one's votes counted, but counted in a way that we can know they have been counted correctly is what we have to have in this country. And without it, it's a grave threat to democracy. And I believe we are seeing that play out as we have seen it play out this year, whether there's fraud or not in the Sanders-Clinton race. The fact that so many people believe there is, is the great concern. And I I hate to say it, but the Austrian court got it right where our courts have not. Check out Ernie Canning's uh, piece on this at bradblog.com, headlined Austrian Courts Call for Second presidential election is a victory for election integrity. And indeed it is. Uh, Ernie Canning, uh, thank you so much for your work at Brad Blog uh, and, of course, for your work uh, for Bernie Sanders. I hope one way or another we will get to see you more soon at bradblog.com. You're welcome, Brad. All right. That's Ernest A. Canning. Follow his work uh, at vetsforbernie.org on the Twitters at can, that's C-A-N-N, the number four, ING, can for ing, uh, on the Twitters, and of course at bradblog.com. Yeah, I'm running late. Got to get out. I'm Brad. This is the Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. 
All right. Yeah, no, I know. I got to get out. I got to get out. It's And Desi Doyne, it's your fault. I know. I'm sorry. It's your fault because you uh, told me to play that Bill O'Reilly thing early and Oops. pushed everything back. So anyway, uh, thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen. Sorry, this short segment. Uh, thanks to producer Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Ernest A. Canning. And of course, uh, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it at bradblog.com. Greatly appreciate you spending time with us. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And find and follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Hey.